the Secret Circle. Welcome to The Secret Circle with me, Luke Decker, the podcast where I chat with authors, filmmakers, musicians, and more about the art of their craft and let you in on some of their secrets. Uh, today's guest is crime fiction author David Fennell. Uh, his works include the D.I. Archer novels, The Art of Death, Sino Evil, and most recently, The Silent Man. I'm really happy to welcome David to the show. Welcome. Thanks, Luke. Good to see you. You too. Thanks you for too. having me. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Where are you coming to me from? Is this is this London or or, or Brighton? London, yeah, right in, uh, in our flat in London. Wonderful, and I'm coming to you from the the charming town of St Albans. Oh, nice. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so I'm I'm excited to have a chat with you about about writing, about the Silent Man, about your process, about serial killers, all all that kind of stuff. Um, so let's kick off with the first question, which is more of a maybe a philosophical question, but I'm wondering. And I like to ask this of, of any writer, whether it's a novelist or a screenwriter. Um, I'm I. The question I have is: is why do you specifically write? Um, <clears throat> that's a very good question. Uh, because I have a compulsion to do so, and there's this need in me to write um, that has always been there since I was a child. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I've tell I, I've tell the story quite a lot. It's, I'm sure people are bored hearing it. You know, growing up in a in Northern Ireland in Belfast during the Troubles, it's um, you know you, <clears throat> when you're every when the, the world is turning to shit around you, am I allowed to swear? Yes, yes, you can swear. I'm trying to <laughs> say the F word, but other words <clears throat> are fine. <laughs> I, I won't use that word. Um, you know, it, it's you try and make sense of everything that's going around you. And, mm. you know, as, uh, and uh, as someone who as a kid was like an avid reader, um, I, you know, I, re I would read books and I think, oh, I wish I could do that. That was just wonderful. And then I, I just started just writing in secret, as I think we all do. And, uh, and it, it became clear to me that there was kind of more, um, that this writing thing was, was so therapeutic. Um, I don't find it therapeutic these days, I have to say, but at the time as a kid, I did, you know, because it made sense of everything around me. Now, now it's torture, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something I have to do, you know, it's something and I'd love yeah. to do. And, and it's a privilege, although I, I, I find it's, it, it really screws me up sometimes. So I'm interested in what way, so you, you kind of, you know, as a kid, it was therapeutic. Now it's a bit more taxing because it's it's your profession. It's it's the day job, and and whatever your day job is, no matter how much you love it, I feel like there's always a sense of of a of a struggle with it. Like you can love it, but sometimes you just don't want to do it because you know it's easier to you know watch Netflix. Um, but what what are the struggles that you have with with writing now, and and why do you think why do you think you have them? I think my certainly this the book that I'm writing currently, which is mm -hmm. the follow up to the Silent Man and, and, and the, the, the next in the Archer series. Um, the big struggles I've had is discipline this year, and yeah, uh, you know, there's been a few things happened in my personal life in terms of you know my father passed away and mm -hmm. um, and an aunt passed away and and so on. There's been lots of kind of crap going on. Yeah. And that's kind of thrown me off the rails in terms of um, 
you know, getting moving forward to this book. And mm. it's those kind of things, those personal things can really uh, get in the way and, and, and just kind of screw you up a little. <laughs> and yeah. that's, that's, and, and they have a, a, a lasting effect. Yeah. But, you know, even though it's, it's many months down the line now, you know, it's the, the, the knock on effect of those um, losses is, is still there. Mm. But generally, to you know, to answer your question, generally, what um, um, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I just I had to stop and think about it for myself for a second. I was like, what, wait, what did I ask? I was just enjoying the tangent. Um, no, it, it was is the what are the def- difficulties now that you that you that you feel like you have sometimes? I think yeah, and I think difficulties in general. You know, when people are not dying. Um, (laughs) it's always a positive (laughs) it is is. Um, I I get distracted very easily yeah and um, and I can I I can get on to doing something else that I um, you know like I might have an idea for a screenplay so I might just oh my god I'm so excited about that so I'll go start working on that yeah and then like four weeks later I'm like behind on my book so yeah do you ever feel like the you obviously don't need to go into detail with with certain things but you ever feel like sometimes like the the personal dramas that you're going through um while they can definitely uh deter you from writing do you ever feel like they can be channeled and help your writing yeah absolutely i think you know if you're uh you've got so much emotion um going on on your life you can channel all that into into what you're writing Mm, yeah and you know certainly <clears throat> in uh, you know in the silent man you know like the or in the archer books you know the grandfather of um the main character who has got dementia you know that's yeah. basically based on my father so everything that's happened to him has happened to my dad yeah and um so that was a kind of way of uh you know, kind of getting you know um i guess stealing his his stories you know but also yeah um you know, understanding it and coming to terms with it, and um, and, uh, and and also, I guess, I guess there's a kind of plagiarizing of real life situations, but also, yeah. you know, I did get a lot out of um, writing those, and and you know, and, and yeah, so they kind of fed into those real life things to feed in, but also, yeah. generally, sort of emotions absolutely will feed mm. into your writing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I let, let's go back to 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 young to young David before you before you were a writer. When did you decide? Like when you got that writing bug when you were a kid and you were using it for therapeutic reasons? Um, when did you start to think that maybe this is something you'd want to do professionally? It never occurred to me until much later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I. I I, I went to, I mean, I became a professional writer. That Writing has always been my job in, in some capacity. So mm-hmm. whether it's a copywriter, um, a web writer, or a technical writer, <clears throat> there's always been some sort of writing of words because that's the direction I always wanted to go in. Um, I always wanted to go in the direction of being a novelist. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the next best thing was to, I didn't get paid, <laughs> you know, pretty well was to, to follow those routes. And, yeah. uh, and I ended up working with a lot of 
you know, journalists and um, and, and people, you know, uh, uh, who are poets and also aspiring novelists go into writing, you know, like technical writing jobs, for example, or copywriting jobs, because it's all, you know, it's, you're always writing stories. You know, if you're mm -hmm. writing something about maybe a piece of software or whatever, to make someone else understand it. It's a kind of story. There's a beginning, mm. a middle, and an end, effectively. Yeah. So, um, so in terms of becoming a full-time novelist, so I started writing um, novels, I think, in my uh, mid-30s, and I thought this has always been my ambition. And I just kind of fell away from it. Um, and then came back a few years later. It's always been in the back of my mind, you know, that this is my ambition, but you know, life gets in the way, you know, you have a mortgage to pay, you've got bills to pay and stuff like that. So that kind of takes priority yeah, as it does for all of us. Uh, and then when I got into my forties, it's, uh, it became a reality then. I, I, I ended up doing a, a few courses and then I did a, a master's in creative writing, um, yeah. at that opportunity, which I really love doing actually. Yeah. Where did you do um, that at, if you, if you don't mind telling the world? No, I did it. Uh, it was with uh, affiliated with Sussex um, University, but I did it actually in Chichester. Um, oh, cool. At Westin College, which is like Hogwarts for adults. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful building. Um, yeah. And it's like a massive mansion house, which is dedicated to the art, arts and crafts. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was really incredible. What was the thing that you... Uh, or maybe a couple of things that you that you took away from from your MA because I you know I think something that always interests me is I've you know I've done my MA in creative writing I'm finishing a PhD in creative writing I I think academic pursuits of of the arts is is important um, and I think people if they want to do that should be able to do that but we kind of have a government who don't agree and <laughs> they want to wipe out the arts more or less until until there's another pandemic and we have nothing else to do um, and then they want it all for free. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like for you, what was, you know, what was the, what was one of the benefits and, and, and one of the, the, one of those key things that, that, that you learned and took away that you still employ with your writing now? I think <clears throat> it gave me the confidence to write mm. and, uh, um, gave me the confidence right and it gave me it put me in a position with my peers so people yeah. like me and who um wanted to write and who aspired to write and uh um and being in a in a, a room with like-minded people with the same ambitions was really liberating it was yeah. incredible and for me that was a big takeaway um, yeah. for that you know, the, the creative writing masters, and I'm sure you find this also, that you, it will not make you a writer. Um, no. <laughs> it's, an academic, it's an academic study. I really believe you're either a writer or you're not. You know, it's in your yeah. DNA or yeah. it's not. Um, but you can study it and enjoy it and, and you know, and have, have a, a great time, which is what we did. And, you know, there's a lot of people did. I uh, went through the couple of years that, that was running at Westine, um, but I think there's only two or three of us that are now published authors and yeah. all the time out of like more than 50 people. That doesn't surprise me. Years, yeah. I remember on the first day of my of, of my MA, there the the teacher said to the class, um, most of you will stop writing when you finish this degree. 
You you won't write again after this. Um, and I was like, how could that be possible? And I, you know, I don't, I really don't know what most of that cohort is up to, but I can only think of one person who I still know that I know is is a poet and she's she's still publishing and she's writing and all that kind of stuff um but other than that yeah it, it's it's interesting that did you did you find it did you, when you were doing your ma did you did you find that there were people there who you were sort of wondering why are you here yes yeah how does how yeah. does that cause did you have like workshops and stuff Were you would you would you bring in work and like talk about it with the class and stuff like that yeah, we, we would all have to read our work out, and that's part of writing. This is yes. You know, you're bearing your soul, so you, yes, everyone has to 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 um, uh, submit their work for us all to read and us all to judge. And yes, that, you know that's still the case when you're a full time writer, any any type of writer. oh yes. So well, and, go on, go on. Yeah, so there's a, there's a few people that you know just couldn't write for toffee. You know yes, and um. And th that might be sad. <laughs> yes, but it's like it's a fact, and yeah, it's, that's the world. You know, the, the creative writing MAs do not create writers. You are not, and th and this uh, kind of makes me cross. And I, I think about like um, what no, MAs don't make me cross. I think they're wonderful, and I think <laughs> we should appreciate them. Yeah. But when I see people like um, publishing houses and agencies charging courses for like 1500 pounds and, yeah. and and saying you know come and we will make your own <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah um, unless you've got some sort of academic qualification at the end of it i don't think you should be pursuing anything that costs you so much money that, that, that's what makes me cross but yeah um <clears throat> yeah i i definitely agree with that it's it's, it's tricky even <sighs> Even on a on an academic side, you know, university. I think anyone who wants to study should be able to study. But I think there's an asterisk on the end of that, and that is, I think you do need to demonstrate the the skill, particularly for an MA Und undergrad. You know, that's where you're learning, and and you know. But if for the for the for the further further um, further degrees, because that was something I I remember a lot of people um, <laughs> when we when we got our first round of grades. Uh, there was a good hand, a good chunk of people who got some some C's and some D's, and they were just their jaws were on the floor, and they were like, "What? I thought I was meant to be a good writer. Why would they these these markings, this feedback tells me I'm terrible." Um, and there is this part where, like, some of them I think just didn't work hard enough on their stories, but I think there were other people who it's like, I also I think maybe the university might have done you a disservice by letting you in. Um, you know, and I, and I know that sounds really mean and that's not meant to be like exclusionary or anything like that. But I do think in terms of, you know, I, I, universities are, are starved for money and they'll take it however they can get. And I think that has possibly a, a negative impact on education in general, but, but, you know, definitely in the, the creative sphere for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think in, in, you know, in, in your writing career, what, what was the 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 hardest thing that you had to overcome to become you know professional full-time writer other than sales yeah um i think finishing projects is still remains the most difficult thing um 
to do. When I say projects, I mean a book. Um, yeah. Um, the, the uh, like I said earlier, the the current novel I'm writing on is the one I'm really struggling to to complete, and it's yeah. Mm. And, and I'll tell you a bit more about that when we go into process later. What I've done yes. to overcome that. Um, so, but uh, I think some of the most difficult things um, um, da -dum, da -dum. I think finishing a project is is, is mm. certainly and I yeah. to me to me like I, I <clears throat> like I said earlier like uh, writing a book is it can be torture and it's because it's such hard work yeah and I kind of look at it like a you know someone doing building a bust at the sculpture of a bust because when you're doing the first draft it's just a big blob of ugliness yeah you know and then you and then I will do so I'll, I'll always have an idea of what you know, the book is about beginning middle and end um, I might even write a log line so that I have it sort of in my head what it's the essence of it essentially mm. and then I'll do the first draft which I'll plod my way through that and you know I'll have this like you know like thumbprints and like quasi logo <laughs> yeah. type yeah. thing, nose yeah. hanging down. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it falls um, off. <laughs> indeed, and, uh, it's all all falling apart. And, but then it's a case of you just kind of molding it. Then, so I'll put yeah. a layer of um, a, a, a layer of well, come to the layers in a minute. But I will just smooth it yeah. um, so that I have the you know all the thumbprints and everything is gone yeah or gone and now i'll put a layer of emotion on um and, mm. and then another layer of emotion maybe then a, um and it, it's at the end of the day it's all about emotion it has to be about emotion for things to be for the reader to care and for the your story to go in the direction it yeah. needs to go so it's a yeah that's what i kind of liken it to it's like a, a creating a bust and making it um, beautiful yes acceptable yeah yeah I, I like that i think that's that's a good i think that's a good analogy um the other thing is you, you brought up is is the difficulty of writing a novel and i i think a lot of people you know who aren't writers they don't really understand the, the difficulty um of 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 the time and the research and the, the brain work that goes into this um I don't know what 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 are your opinions on 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 just on that aspect and sometimes a kind of flippant response sometimes people give especially when they're like oh I got this really great idea that I think you could write and you're just like <sighs> yeah the, a lot of people say oh, oh I've got a book in me um, <laughs> I can't remember so who who was it that said oh, maybe it's to stay there um, <laughs> <laughs> some comedian or actor or something like that but I. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, <clears throat> seriously though, I think people, uh, a lot of people say that flippantly, but I think it's because they don't really understand yeah. the amount of work that goes into yeah. um, putting a, a book together because it's all, it's, it's all consuming. Yeah. And um, there are probably a very few writers who it's not all consuming, but for me, it's all consuming. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's a, it kind of. It, it overtakes everything in your life pretty much and 
every waking hour sometimes. Yeah, it's interesting. I was also thinking about we had the, recently there was the big writer strike in the states, and and there was so much back and forth on social media about about that whole process because there were people who were who were very much like, oh my god, why do the why do these people want to get paid more money? Like, how hard can it be? Um, or you know, oh my gosh, these these TV shows are terrible anyway. Why do they want more money? Um, and and there there was a part of me it's just like ah oh, you you really when I saw those those sorts of comments I'm like there's so much that you're that you're missing, um and not fully understanding it's like yeah there are a lot of like dumb movies and dumb TV shows, but sometimes the the, the dumbness isn't even the writer's fault. Um, Blade Runner is probably a perfect example of that. All the stupid things in Blade Runner came from the stupid producers who wanted to do dumb things with the movie, and Ridley Scott's like, no. And then eventually, Ridley Scott got his film out the way he wanted, and Blade Runner is a cult classic now. Um, and and there's there's so much yeah people don't really understand, but it's like you know you, we're not only are we breaking our our backs for these stories, but like we also then have to deal with. You know whether you're, if you're you know if you're TV or film, these producers or editors who maybe don't fully get it, and you have to sort of push and 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 fight with that. Um, yeah, so it's it's interesting to me. Um, let's chat more about crime fiction though. What do you think? And this is this is more philosophical again. Uh, what do you think uh, makes crime fiction so appealing to us? I mean, it's it's one of the biggest genres out there, if not the biggest. Yeah. Um... People are obsessed with crime, aren't they? And mm. uh, I think we all are. We love, I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day. The, 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 sh the shows that I love to watch on television are generally all crime-related. Um, yeah. You know? Um, or thrillers. Yeah. And, uh, so, and I think... Uh, I mean, personally, I think we all want some sort of re resolution. We all want a... You know, we're, there's so much going on in the world right now, especially, but in in general, and all of us have crap to deal with in our lives always. And some yeah. people are even have been victims of crime or know people have been victims of crime. And, you know, we, we see all the stuff on the news all the time. And what we get from, I think, crime fiction, um, well, A, it's entertainment, it, mm. really, it is. Um, but also we get, even in the darkest thrillers, for the most part, we get the closure, mm. um, and you know where the bad guys sent away, and the people don't get away with um, crimes. For the most part, not always, but yeah. Um, yeah. for the most part, and that can be um, very satisfying for people. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. I agree with that. Um, how important for you is location when it comes to writing? Because your your stuff is is set in London, uh, you know what I love the London setting. Um, I like big city settings in general. Um, but how how important is is not just location, but a particular location? Like why London, not you know Manchester or I don't know Warrington? I'm sure, there's lots of crime in Warrington. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, I think. Um, London, I, I, when I started writing these books, I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to feature the London as I saw it and mm. and where I live now, which is, you know, in this uh, theatre land, effectively, yeah. you know, we're right in the, in the centre. And and walking around these streets, you know, I, you know, 
you can see such great beauty like and architecture dating back centuries yeah and and also like dating back decades and yeah and very recent as well and it's and it's a quite an extraordinary backdrop mm. you know when you're you could be seeing something from medieval times and then in the next minute you'll see this great big shiny pointy shard yeah and, and <clears throat> so i love that about london um mm. But also, I, there's a lot of decay here, you know, I mean, an architectural decay, which is, uh, I think, is just visually appealing um, on the page. And uh, mm. certainly with my first book, The Art of Death, uh, or the first in this series, um, it's uh, all of my, the locations in The Art of Death are, are real locations um, mm. of like, you know, for example, there's a... Um, these mansion houses in Ealing, for example, which is very, very creepy and um, and just stunningly macabre, and that, mm. yeah, and that was to me a perfect place to have uh, um, my serial killer, who was an artist, um, yeah. do one of his um, uh, installations of dead bodies. <laughs> yeah, mm. I love it. Uh, how with with location? How do you? I mean. It, it, it feels like a character almost and how how do you go about trying to bring that character to life bring london to life uh i don't know i don't consciously do it i, I think i what i do is just um i describe it as i see it and how the, and how i want it to feel yeah um i in my books i try to treat uh london is almost a gotham kind of mm. thing and uh, and it's kind of fraught it's kind of my books are very fast-paced they're mm. you know they're they're you know um it's they're just on the move constantly yeah. um and and i and i wanted to to pick london as as just like that like a frenetic um mad um city yeah, yeah, and I think I think you nailed it. And it's true. You're, you're. I mean, when I was reading the the Silent Man, I mean, you. It opens up with, uh, what Archer? She's on a, out, out for a run, and then just from that moment onwards, it's yeah. just shit happening. Like every, and I, I, it was, it was very, it's very fun. It, I love, and I, I really prefer fast paced reads. I don't like it when there's a lot of kind of dilly dallying or, or um, there's a, there's a certain author who we won't name who writes books that are a thousand pages for some reason. And there's just so much in them that could be cut out uh, mm -hmm. because it's just meandering. Whereas what I really enjoyed about the silent man was just how quickly things were moving um plot was moving but it was exciting and even even in what i would say kind of tender moments there was there was good moments you know it's good good pace rather um the, like the first the first scene particularly with with archer and um and her dad which i won't go into any detail because everyone just needs to go buy the silent man and read it or listen to the audiobook um but uh, like it, you know, even in those moments, you're like, "Oh, good! This is moving at such a good pace. There's so much intrigue um, on every page, which which is hard to do. It's it's really hard to do because there are so many writers who just put so much. There's so much gunk that gets left on the page sometimes, even when it's you know the finished product is like, yeah, you could have this could have gone gone with maybe two or three more rounds of edits, maybe. Um, but it is it is it is very hard to do. But kind of kind of on the the topic of characters, we 
briefly kind of mentioned this in the in the how much of you yourself goes into the story um you, you mentioned that your um you, you kind of you know plagiarized you know your your dad's story but in, in in some ways it is your story too because you are a part of that of that narrative um and you have your your experiences with that but i'm i'm curious uh, not necessarily the you know maybe not that what we've already talked about but in terms of other elements of of you how, when you're creating characters, um, you know, do you find that you're putting various elements of, of you personally in it or your friends or is it like a subconscious thing? Like, tell me, tell me about your, your creation process when it comes to character creation. Um, yeah, good question. Uh, I think, um, so the two main characters in um, the Archer books are obviously Grace Archer and her DS, mm. Harry Quinn and Grace Archer. Um, she comes, um, she, I was going to say baggage, but she doesn't have baggage. She has got, she's had a traumatic um, childhood. And so that's left her with a bit of PS, PTSD. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of, um, although not so much in the third book, but in the first and second book, um, we see a lot of that that she's dealing with, especially um, after a near miss with a, a killer in The Art of Death. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings all that back. Um, so that kind of informs who she is and, and, and informs her choices and and how she deals with certain crimes and certain people. Mm. And obviously with that becomes, it comes a certain amount of emotion um and and but the the trick for me here the difficulty and i think probably all writers will find is that yeah we you know those people they or she will have all that trauma behind her but we have to be you have to be really cautious to not make that really boring um, for the reader um, yeah and not milk it and because uh, you want a bit of humor and a bit of fun and you, know, yeah. you want you don't want to be relating to someone who's like miserable and she's not you know yeah, no, no, she, no, she not. deals she deals with she's learned to cope she's a strong person yeah and of course uh, by her side is her like you know who's become her best mate is harry quinn and yeah. you know i would say he's probably the most like me out of everyone mm. or anyone in the books and not you know, he's not really like me, but, but although people, my friends say he is, he is, he's quite dry and mm. he's, you know, he, he kind of doesn't suffer fools. And, um, <laughs> and he kind of adds that kind of element to it. And I think that's probably a bit more me. Mm. Um, when I, when I write him, I'm kind of, I, I suppose, writing myself in a way, which is probably mm. a bit indulgent, um, but it's, I find it quite useful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What would I say in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I think really in all of our all of our works, there's going to be a character, maybe not necessarily the the lead character, but a character, and it could be the lead that does sort of feel like it is. It is. It is. You know, a version of of us a little bit. Um, I, I think that's hard not to do. I think you know, and I think there's other people who write characters that are bigger than life. And I think it's how they wish that they were seen or would like to be seen or some sort of wish fulfillment of how they would, you know, they would like to be this type of person, uh, you know, thinking of like, 
I don't know, Jack Reacher. You know, I, Lee, I feel like Lee Child. That's that's his. You know, he would like to be yes, Jack Reacher. Like there. Yeah, I think um, I think that's the case for all writers. I think mm, if they were honest, yeah, and nearly all of your characters, there's a bit of you. Yes, there, but not. Um, you're not maybe not conscious of putting a little bit of a piece of you into that particular character, but mm. there has to be, you know, if you, for a character to be kind of authentic. Yeah. Um, I don't like to use that expression, but I guess it's the only <laughs> one that comes to mind to be authentic. Oh, be your uh, authentic self, as if you could possibly <laughs> be an inauthentic. I know, exactly. <laughs> For them to be to be authentic, I mm -hmm. think that has to you have to draw on something that maybe you have felt. Yes. Um, and you know, I <clears throat> someone one writer many years ago before I started the Archer series, a very famous crime writer, mm. asked me what I was working on, and, um, and I said, well, "I'm writing a female detective." She went. What makes you think you can write from a female perspective? Oh, interesting. I was going to ask you about this. Okay, okay, here we go. Yeah, and I and I kind of it kind of floored me. Yeah, you know, especially um, coming from a fellow writer, mm. and, uh, and I didn't say anything. I said, "Well," <laughs> fumbled out some um, ridiculous response. But then, like, I didn't sleep that night. I didn't think yeah. Again. I was just thinking about it. God, why didn't I say something? Because of course, well, it's it for me. It's like you know, if you want to take that approach of what, why can't I write a female character? Then why can you, for example, write a male character? What, what? Yes. You know, it's like you know, this is you know, every you know, I, I am, <clears throat> I'm writing genre fiction and i'm not writing literary fiction so i'm not mm. writing the female experience i'm mm. writing a, a character who's who's goes through certain emotions and her emotions are universal yes um, and you know she you know she, it's uh, how she reacts to certain things is um are the kind of emotions that we uh, generic emotions that we all go through and uh, yeah so but even even if you take it outside of your your protagonist, I mean the the logic behind this 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 kind of way of thinking, and I remember it was really really picking up momentum during my during my MA, and I remember, interestingly enough, there were there were there were female writers in that in that group who anytime, you know, one of the one of the male writers were you know presenting something that had a female in the story there was all this like oh well you know you're describing this person in an inappropriate way or a woman wouldn't act like that or the, you know how why is she having this emotion and but then yeah and then i remember one specific time this this one of the female authors brought in right and brought it brought in this this work that was um one of the most like sexist pieces i've ever like listened to it was like you know they talk about the male gaze this was like female gaze on overdrive like everything was just it, actually it was just, I mean I don't know the the characters were lesbians and the way that she was describing was like worse than some of the sleaziest like hard boiled fiction out there that's like really like you know lining every curve, um, but like no one called them out so it's it, it's interesting to me but then at the same time like I said with with your supporting characters like are what does that mean if you can't write if you're only meant to write what is what is you a that's boring. Um, but but be like well then where does that where does that stop like how can you have anything else in your story other than just 
a a you know a, almost Mr. Smith army of of clones that are just that are just yeah. you interacting with yourselves. Yeah, I, and it's I mean it's it's it was a ridiculous thing to say, and I don't think, uh, and I've discussed it with many writer friends and, and people. Yeah. Publishing, of course, it's uh, yeah, um, and and everyone thinks the same. Um, yeah, and uh, cultural appropriation is a different thing altogether. Um, but True. It's you know I think you know, and, and 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 of course literary fiction. But if you're going to write, well, I don't know. I mean, some um, people. Um, some writers writing literary stuff have written some really yeah. male writers have written some amazing female characters. So it's like, yes, and vice and vice versa, <clears throat> vice versa. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I can't remember who it was. I was talking with Anna Mazzola, yeah, and she, and she mentioned I can't remember who she was quoting, um, but like they were on the topic of of sensitivity reads, um, and and I was like I hate that term in general. But she said, well, this other individual calls them authenticity reads, and that that makes more sense. And and kind of where I'm going with that is that's all about research because a no two people are going to have the same experience so you could you could have a book that has a protagonist that is not your uh, race not your gender um and you could let two people of that other race or gender read it and the feedback you're going to get isn't going to be the exact same um but there is something you know in making sure that you're doing a wide range of a, a wide range of research to make sure that what you're writing is that favorite word of yours authentic um you know, because that that's that's what people look for. They they you know, if it feels authentic, um, you know, and not pandery or, you know, demeaning, then you know, you're gonna you're gonna win your readers over. Um, you're you know, and it's it's an interesting um discussion and we probably don't have time to do it all today, but I've seen on mm. TikTok, I've seen some um readers yeah. slate authors for the way they treat certain interesting um well, genders and races mm -hmm. in um, in their books, wow. and Stephen Stephen King is one, and <clears throat> and I, I've read a lot of Stephen King. I love Stephen mm -hmm. King, you know, and it's a, and, you know, he is not sexist and he is not racist. He just isn't. <laughs> but the characters in his book can be, and it's, yes. I, I don't know if you've read Holly. I've read Holly, which is really tremendous, and some of the stuff yeah. that's in that book is just some of the characters in that book are just shocking yes um and some of the things they say but that is the world we live in and you mm. have to to have um you have to be honest and and you know you, you have to expose this stuff in books and it, and, and when you read that stuff you, you realize it's not celebrating it it's of course we know that but we're you know we're saying this it's, yes. it is condemning it and yeah. it is when you read it it's a, it's a hard read but that's the reality and but the fact that people, these idiot um, TikTokers, <laughs> oh my God, he's racist the way he treats these people. And, uh, it's just like, oh God. Yeah, I, it drives <clears throat> me, it, that also drives me nuts. I, I, you know, the whole idea that I remember once someone said to me, this was again during my MA, that's where I have all my fun stories from idiot readers, um, is, is, is there was, yeah, there was one individual who was like, well, could you like maybe put something in here that makes it clear that, you know, this isn't what like you think? I'm like, do you mean like the character? No, like, like you, like, I'm like the author, you want me to put a footnote or something in the story that makes it clear what is happening is not like condoned by me the author like yeah. nonsense absolute it, it, it relates it also relates back to a point you were making earlier about television and, and film and 
I was watching this again on my TikTok. All I do is just go on TikTok. <laughs> I had to delete I TikTok. This. I had to delete oh, it. It's, it's off my uh, phone. I, I know. I've got, I've, I've got to finish this book and I've got to get rid of it. But I, I'm, I'm obsessed, you know, with you know, yeah. the movie world. And and, and, mm. all, and and so it's like watching this guy talk about Mick Flanagan, who um, wrote many things at Midnight Mass, especially um, on Netflix. I don't know if you've seen Midnight Mass. No, uh, It's kind of horror. Um yeah. thriller thing and it's really fantastic like so it's about this character who um a, a man who's returning to his uh, his home after being a spending he, he was like a a trader or something like mm. that so had everything until he got drunk and killed someone so he does his time in prison and then comes back to the island of the, the east coast of america somewhere where he lives and uh um to, for redemption and of course all so mick vanegar who's a like a brilliant um filmmaker and writer yeah. and everything the execs were saying oh well you know we want him looking for jobs can you just write put something in about him just go to a job center or something like that. <laughs> it's like why it's so irrelevant you know this guy has gone through the pain of you know what he uh, anyway it's basically wrestling with these execs to yeah you know and then finding out that for example Okay, well, I can do something, but it's gonna, you know, it's gonna need a, like a three-second scene, which um, <laughs> this means another location, which right. means the budget is gonna go up, yeah, and uh, and then they, and it cut it all, and that's the, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's 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 not as bad for writers, you know, we don't really have that, yeah, um, to that degree. Um, no, T TV world the science which is mental, but it's a, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, in TikTok, you're judged harshly yes yeah i i'm all in favor for burning tiktok to the ground <laughs> <laughs> um back to back to your writing process um when when you're you're plotting your books do you start with is it is it the crime is it the theme is it is it something else what's the thing that kind of kicks you off with your with with like say silent man or or you know your first or second uh yeah so <clears throat> The the art of death started off being a um, almost a cautionary tale about social media and mm. uh, and and dating apps and stuff like that because I worked in cybersecurity for a long time and knew quite a mm. bit about that so uh, I knew how easy it was to um, not just hack into people's uh, Facebook accounts you know for example most people there passwords would be their dog's name and one two three or their pet's yeah. name and one two three that's the <laughs> most common password yeah and um so it was a cautionary tale about you know lonely people on dating apps being catfished um and being murdered then mm. so and i thought oh god well, well it's a bit boring um so let's uh, so then it, uh, yeah, it kind of evolved during the sort of thinking and writing process of being um, someone who fancies himself as an artist, like a Banksy character, who then mm. creates sculptural stuff from their bodies, um, <clears throat> and that's that, that's how that formed. And Cena Weevil was kind of inspired by uh, it's um, it's probably not my biggest seller because and, and, and the <laughs> which is fair enough because I mean who wants to read about eyes being cut from people's faces? <laughs> It's crime like, fiction, man. It's nasty killer. stuff. 
So this, th that was inspired by, um, so I, at 11 years old, I seen the birds by uh, yep. Alfred Hitchcock. And I mean, I remember yep. seeing that moment with um, the, the main character's mother goes to yep. visit her friend in his cottage. I can't remember his name. Um, and she's like walking through the house and there's like feathers and everything cutlery lying everywhere yeah and he finds him in his bedroom and we see his blood spattered um pajama legs and then she yeah. looks up and then in his face the camera just jolts in and then as you can see his eyes are like being pecked eaten out yeah it's like, oh, it was like that me. and it stuck with me forever so i kind of like yeah. that inspired scene of evil or basically a killer it's a revenge book but it's a it's you know and it's about a killer who um you know, pumps them. Yeah. His victims full of uh, ketamine and then like uses a scalpel to take out their eyes while they're still living. And, but they're, you know, she has reason for doing it. Yeah. He has reason for doing it. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, it's like, well, not that you need, not that I'm saying you need a reason, but it's like, um, <laughs> it's, and uh, with the Salt Man, what was the inspiration for that? I, uh, it's, yeah. I, I could tell you the inspiration, but it would just give so much away. Uh, okay, don't 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 do that. Don't do that. Yeah, that's it's out of the three, that's the most difficult one to talk about because mm. it's um yeah, because I would just give too much away. And it's uh, yeah. I think it's the one that surprised people the most. Yeah. Um so it's a uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Just please buy it and read it because mm -hmm. I'm like skint. <laughs> <laughs> We're poor writers. It. Buy our books, please. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Buy his books too. His books. <laughs> All of our books. Um, so do, I, I, here's a question for you with 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 crime fiction because uh, it's it's you know it's what we do. Um, do you sometimes think that the gimmick of the crime is is oversold? When the book is being marketed, maybe like, do you think that we maybe sometimes oversell? The, the gimmick of the crime with stuff or maybe not and maybe we don't but that's the question for you to answer you mean the the actual crime that's committed or crimes that are committed in the story yeah it's like like the whole everything yeah. can be so focused around like oh here's this crime we're gonna we're gonna really emphasize the crime because i'm for me what i what i take away from from most crime fiction stories like i i can't remember hardly any plots from from most books that i read but i remember interesting character moments so i can remember interesting moments like john rebus or raymond or philip marlowe or people you know people like that mm -hmm. whereas like the the plots will be like oh, i can't fully remember what totally happened in x y and z but it's it's the character stuff and how they responded to things that you know that stuck with me which made me think you know maybe do we sometimes maybe oversell the crime the 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 horrific murder or things like that with with some of the with some of our books um when actually the the heart of the story is how our protagonists you know traverse that area you know that 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 narrative uh i think quite possibly i think and i i, I sometimes feel i'm a victim of that too um in <laughs> and that i'm kind of sold as a serial killer thriller writer and in fact right yeah what i what i do but my stories are more about the victims and yeah. the characters are not really about the killer um, yeah okay they do some diabolical things but i it's more interesting to me as a writer to write about um 
the cost, the mm. human cost of crime yeah. um, than it is to write something that is graphic, like the cutting out of eyes. <laughs> I don't do a lot of that in Senior <laughs> Evil, by the way. There's not, so don't worry too much um, if you go to buy it. It's a, um, it's, it's a good story. It's a good story. Um, um, so I, I think, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I get marketed as um, like Chris Carter. Mm. I, d- I don't think I'm anything like my books are nothing like Chris Carter's, but that's right, yeah. What I want to do, and I, mean, I think it's probably helped some sales. But I, um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think there is a focus on the crime sometimes. And I, me, I'm more interested in you know what emotions I can get. From yeah. readers, and that's that's more important to me. It's yeah. more important to me when I read books. I, I want to be moved in some capacity. I want, even if it's like if I'm laughing or crying or yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Kind of building off from the serial killer stuff. Um, let's talk serial killers. Um, mm-hmm. I, what what do you think makes them? Because they are they are fascinating. I mean, you know, in term you know, with, within fiction and reality, people people are fascinated with this with this concept of serial killers. Um, what do you think makes them? Given that you know, you your books do focus on these these types of murders. What makes them so appealing as as the antagonists or part of an antagonist for your for your narratives? I think. Um... As a as a crime writer, for me, I like the fact that um, there's not just one murder, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because I, I I don't think I could I want to write a book that is mm. all about solving one murder or and, and going yeah. through all the procedural stuff and interviewing these people these people. I want yeah. to like I mentioned earlier, for example, I want to write from the human course or from the about the, the human cost, but of course you could do that with one um, single murder and the impact that has to family yeah, sure, friends sure, and sure. stuff like that. But um, I, you know, I want I want to entertain, and yeah. uh, you know, I want you know I want page turning, and I want you know multiple murder. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just want all the murder possible. Kill them all. <laughs> And uh, and so it's 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 uh, you know like it sounds like I've just contradicted everything I've said about it. Like I'm just all about the human. It's all about the humanity. Murder, 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 murder. In order in order to achieve that, I have to kill everyone. (laughs) But it's um, I yeah, there is an appeal in serial killers, I suppose. Although I don't read serial killer novels myself. It's a interesting. It's although I love Thomas Harris. I mean, I've read okay. Yeah, I was going to say every single one of his books, and yeah, yeah. And I love the movie. Uh, well, sorry, Salads of Alarms. Um, yes, yes. Just... I mean, I, I I quite like serial killer stories. Um, <clears throat> I, I think they're I think they're interesting and can be entertaining and fun um, <clears throat> in a macabre way. Um, I I'm a big fan of Hannibal. I like the show. I like the like the, the you know Robert's books. I love Dexter. Uh, those are some of my favorite books and and TV show. I, I love them. <clears throat> so there's definitely something to them. I suppose. What do you Think of like you know some of your stuff. Even though obviously your protagonist is not the serial killer, um, unlike those other those other two books. Unless unless book four takes a very dark twist for you, and and you know Archer becomes a serial killer, um, probably not. But what do you think is the what do you think the serial killer stories do to sort of I don't know tell 
tell some sort of some sort of story about you know us as in as in the reader like what what are they meant to kind of tell us about humanity rather or do they i think they do i think um we're obsessed with them because you know we we all when we were young we all we all had the monsters under the bed or we all mm. on the screen that terrified us but now yeah um <clears throat> it sounds almost a cliche but the monsters are um are real people people that yeah. uh, might live on um our streets or people we might work with and i think that that element adds a certain sinister appeal that um mm frightens us and but at the same time intrigues us yeah yeah i agree um I, this is this is a silly question and we'll, we'll wrap up here in a second but i was i'm curious between a couple, a couple of big names the fictional serial killers right if you had to pit hannibal against dexter who would win hannibal do you think so yeah but dexter's so clever so is hannibal i know <laughs> or would they would they destroy themselves I don't think Dexter would stand a chance. Really? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. Handball is pretty gross. Why do you? Are, are you? Well, you, I just, I, I just, Dexter, Dexter seems so younger, younger so and cunning and clever side. that it's <clears throat> like I feel like he has a bit of an edge to him that that Hannibal doesn't. I, I not not that Hannibal isn't edgy. Hannibal is very, very edgy. But there's just something that I'm like, I wonder if I feel like Dexter might win in this in this fight. But uh it's like like a Freddy versus Jason scenario here, isn't it? Like who would who would win in a fight? Yeah. Um yeah. Um David, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed chatting with you today. Um, everyone needs to go pick up the Silent Man with its sprayed edges if you can find them. I, where can you I'm assuming Goldsboro Books has these? Yes, so that's the Goldsboro, yes. Goldsboro Books edition, which is in goldsborobooks.com. Um, yes. if you, the, the shop is in Cecil Court in London, if you're in London, or there's one in Brighton. Yes. Um, otherwise, you can order it online. Um, yes. So. Go go pick it up. Um, it's a terrific read. Uh, you're going to be entertained and enthralled. And as M.W. Craven says, it's a fantastic new series. He says it right on the front cover. Um, but can, yeah, I, can, I just, can I just add, you can, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in all books. Oh, yes. So not, not just Goldsboro. It's available yes. everywhere. Yes. Anywhere you buy your books, you can get it. But if you want these really cool sprayed edges, yeah. uh, for those who are listening on Spotify, you'll have to go to YouTube and see what I'm talking about. But they're wonderful orange edges with the uh, theater masks going all the way around them. It's pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, David, where can people find you on social media? So I'm on pretty much everything, um, including TikTok. Including TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, although I've not posted anything in like, six months um but hello yeah, everyone. people same. are still following me which is kind of uh, nice but um, i'm on um twitter at davy fennel um and i'm also on blue sky now and yes. uh can't remember oh david fennel i think i'm just on there as and um, threads and instagram and facebook and i also have my own website which is uh, i post uh, blogs and stuff on there and i'm going to be doing a lot more of that so that www.davidfennell.co.uk so wonderful um and there will be links in all of the descriptions whether you're w watching on youtube or listening on spotify etc 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 um so go check out david's website go check out his books and we'll see you next time david this was a lot of fun i'll hopefully have you back on in the future 
Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank cool. you. Thank you, Luke. Alrighty. See you guys later. The Secret Shepherd.